This is IEDA In Your Ear, the podcast for members of the Indiana Economic Development Association. I'm your host, Lee Llewellyn. Paul Ketchum is the superintendent of the Batesville Community School Corporation, and he was named Superintendent of the Year for District 8 by the Indiana Association of Public School Superintendents for 2020. And among the reasons cited for giving him that honor was the collaboration between Batesville Schools, Ivy Tech, and Manufacturing Partners in Batesville, which is the main subject of our conversation today. Superintendent Ketchum has been superintendent in Batesville since 2017. He graduated from Northern Kentucky University and earned his postgraduate degrees from Olivet Nazarene University and Indiana Wesleyan University. So, Paul, I want to thank you very much for agreeing to talk to me today. Yeah, I'm excited to have this conversation with you, Dee. Thank you for the invitation. Well, we appreciate it. Uh, and, and I'm really excited to be sharing uh, with our members and others the things that you've been involved in. So let's start, if you would, please, by, by creating a little bit of context. Uh, I'm sure, you know, many of our members certainly know uh, about Batesville, Indiana, but let's maybe create a little context, um, how you view the city uh, from your perspective as the school superintendent uh, where the school sits as an asset within the community, and then just a little bit of an overview about Batesville in general. Yeah, absolutely. So, so geographically, we'll give the listeners kind of a, a picture. You can picture the state of Indiana in your mind. And Batesville, Indiana is in southeastern Indiana. We are located directly on I-74, and we're almost equal distance between Indianapolis and Cincinnati, Ohio. So that's where we're located geographically. We are considered a small rural community a town of about 6,500 people. Now with that, we're, we're very blessed to have two publicly traded companies. We have Batesville Casket and we have Hillrom and Hillenbrand Industries is in, in, in our uh, community. Now our listeners may be aware that that Hillenbrand used to be one large corporation and it split back I think in 2010. And uh, Batesville Casket, as the name says, produces caskets and Hillrom's known for uh, producing hospital beds. So uh, obviously, the, as the title of the show indicates, we are a large manufacturing community. In addition to those two companies, we also have Batesville Tool and Die, which is a privately owned family business, uh, but it's a large business. It has, it has locations in South Carolina and Mexico. We also have Woodmiser, which creates, manufactures sawmills, portable sawmills. So if you're in the wilds of Alaska, and you want to build a, a cabin, you'd buy a Woodmiser uh, sawmill and you'd be able to, to do all the things you need to do to, to log and, and build those things. And then we also have Margaret Mary Health, which is a large 800 employee hospital in our city. So believe it or not, most rural communities are used to the school corporation being the largest employer. Batesville Schools is actually the fifth largest employer in a town of 6,000 people. We employ about 300 people. Uh, we have 2,200 students and we have four school buildings, two elementaries, a middle school, and a high school. So that's kind of where, in our symbiotic relationship, we take a lot of pride in being a, a, a ability to help recruit talent to those businesses. We have a, a high-performing school district, and we offer a lot of opportunities in arts and education, athletics. So we feel like we really have a great partnership with those businesses in our community. They support us, and we support them. No, I guess I'm surprised. I didn't realize. I, I guess when I'm in Batesville, 
it feels like a larger community than 6,500. Um, and I think that's because of the size of the manufacturing base there. Um, and so uh, I learned something. Uh, so thank you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, you know, you're educating, you're, you're educating all the time, Paul. Good for you. <laughs> I'm always on the clock. Uh, and and I and when I say this, I know it's hard for some people to, to believe this, but 20 years ago, uh, there were a number of leaders in Indiana who were declaring the death of manufacturing in the state and sort of the death of manufacturing in general. And I, and I think they were confusing uh, the radical changes, I think, that was occurring in the manufacturing base with sort of the demise of manufacturing, at least in the United States. Um, and, and I think part of what happened when that conversation was happening was um, schools really began to look elsewhere as they were thinking about how they were preparing students for a workforce uh, and, and thinking that manufacturing was on its way out. Um, and, and it seems to me that that, that really sort of began to change the, the way in which schools began to think about manufacturing and and how they were preparing students is is that a correct assessment yeah that that is a fair assessment i think there was a, a push statewide for all students to attend four-year universities and that may have developed from from the manufacturing uh i don't want to say crisis but you know when there's economic downturns such as in the, in the 70s people would graduate from high school walk literally across the parking lot and get a job at gm or ford or or some manufacturer, there'd be an economic downturn. Those, those individuals lack skill sets for upward mobility or transferable skills. And I think the conversation was, we need students to go to four-year universities to become educated, to withstand those economic downturns and have some upward mobility. What we've learned in Batesville is not every student wants to or needs to attend a four-year university. Four universities are fantastic things, right? I attended a four-year university, and it is if, if a student at Batesville wants to attend Notre Dame, we want to get them there. But we also found there's a lot of students who are hands-on. They, they want to enter the workforce right away. And, and earlier in our intro, we have a lot of employers who are just thirsty for talent. So we decided uh, about 10 years ago if we could start to meld training students to be successful. And I, and I use this catchphrase, we want a Batesville High School diploma to be a currency. We want it to be able to act as a, a success, successful launching point for whatever's next in that student's life, whether that's a four-year, a two-year technical degree, or straight to the workforce. So that's where our mind shifted as far as we saw the need in our community. And, and full, disclosure, full disclosure, we're being a little selfish. We wanted to keep our talent here. We, you know, Schools are driven by enrollment. And we found that the more and more of our students who were employed in Batesville found good paying jobs, they stayed here and they raised their families. So again, there was kind of that win-win uh, scenario for us to, to meet the needs of some local manufacturers, but doing it the right way for students so that they had those transferable skills. They had that skill set for upward mobility, or if they decided to go back to college, they had that 18 to 30 credit hours already in their portfolio so they could be successful later in life. But it seems to me that that when there was that that shift that you referenced, where where we begin to to really direct students more toward four year uh, institutions after high school, that the incentives for for 
public school systems also sort of changed um, and that, that school systems were more incented or were perhaps uh, rewarded uh, for, for the more students they got to college. Is that correct? And was that a challenge for you as you were thinking about sort of how you were changing your model? It was a challenge. Most of our listeners are aware of the accountability system, kind of the A through F accountability system that schools were rated on. And we heard the word rigor and depth of knowledge. And all of a sudden we started hearing data about our, our test scores versus other countries. Uh, so what happened was schools almost got into a vicious cycle of testing. Um, most of our listeners may know it. Most high school students their sophomore year took the I, I learn test. They took uh, ECAs in both English and algebra. If they passed those tests, great. They could go, you know, do not pass, go move on. If they weren't able to pass those tests, they got into kind of a re remediation uh, cycle where every year as a junior, if they didn't pass as a junior, they had to come back, take it as a senior. And what that did was it cut down opportunities, opportunities for them to take other courses. So we found that a lot of those students that were in the remediation kind of a cycle were not able to participate and attend the career center, uh, enter into a, a co-op program or a work-based learning program because they were kind of locked into passing this high stakes test. And it cost them opportunities to learn soft skills, to learn real world skills. And I think Batesville Community School Corporation has made the commitment to shift to understand we wanna do what's best for all students. And while we wanna still be a high performing school and our test scores are some of the best in the state, we wanna meet the needs of every student. And that includes work-based learning opportunities. So as a result of, of and again, uh, this is probably something that was a, was a long thought out process for you, um, but, but you launched a program in Batesville a co-op program that included Ivy Tech and working with local industry. So talk a little bit about sort of a general overview of that program and what was the genesis of that? How did you, how did you get that started and who was at the table? You know, my, my predecessors, and I have to give a lot of credit to the previous superintendent and, and some people in our town, they, they literally, they laugh about it, started over a cup of coffee. They, they started to have coffee together in the morning started to identify some, some workforce issues, and they started to have roundtables of what ifs. What if we could connect students to higher education more intentionally? Uh, most of our listeners probably remember the days where you took speech at night or you may take a random English course or algebra course through Ivy Tech. And we had the conversation about what if we became more intentional and those credits earned something. Uh, at the time, you know, it was it, now it's called the Indiana Core 30 or Indiana Core, 30 credit hours that transfer to any state institution. Sometimes it's referred to as entering college as a sophomore. So the first step was identifying how can we be more intentional with post-secondary K-14, K if you will, college credit. And then how can we align those credits to kind of the, the needs in our community? And the, the number one need at the time were some manufacturers who were sitting around that table sharing coffee. And they needed precision machining. They needed tool and die. They needed, you know, they needed those special technical honors in classes so that there are, we could skill up our workforce. And through those conversations between local manufacturers, Ivy Tech Community College and school leadership, they kind of be able, they kind of laid out a blueprint of how we can, during the day, work in a schedule with kind of a hybrid block schedule. 
so that students could attend Ivy Tech twice a week, uh, attend their co-op twice a week, and then go to every class on Monday. So it's kind of a hybrid block schedule. So a lot of consensus building, a lot of uh, basically pros and cons, what worked, what didn't work. And again, a true commitment by all three partners about being successful and having a program that would have sustainability and truly benefit students. So I know from looking at the material that there are that that you settled on three tracks within this program. Uh, there's the the manufacturing co-op, there's an IT co-op, and a health co-op. So if you would go go through each of those separately and talk about the the classes, sort of the structure of each of those co-op models, uh, who the industry partners are, and then what's the outcome that you desire in manufacturing, IT, uh, health? So let's start with manufacturing. Yeah, so let's start with the outcome. We'll work backward with this. Okay, student. fine. What, what we wanted to, to have the student obtain is, again, college credit, and it had to be applicable to a, a field, a workforce that they were interested in that was transferable. And we also found by aligning with those manufacturers those students were able to, at no cost of their own, the, the organization would pay for them to continue to learn and earn those Ivy Tech courses. Our partners in Batesville from the, the Genesis were Hillenbrand Industries, which include Batesville Casket, Batesville Tool and Die, and at the time it was, it was called Heartwood, and, and sometimes we utilize Woodmiser. So those manufacturers would have, uh, they would basically have those students complete a task They'd have a project, kind of a student-produced work. They would, have, they would attend work on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Their expectation would be on time. Their expectation would be to communicate to their direct supervisors. And again, things you can't teach in a classroom. And the, the, the good news or the unintended consequent was those students learned time management. They learned how to communicate with uh, their bosses. You know, it's not necessarily okay just to text someone. There are times you need to call people or show up in person. Again, that's a generational thing. How do you properly format an email? There just became so many life lessons that our co-op students learned about. It became an invaluable experience. What it also did, it gave them an inspiration to see if that's really where they wanted to work after high school. So often you may go to work somewhere and you're like, ah, this isn't what I thought it was. And conversely, employers spent an enormous amount of money recruiting and training talent. This was pretty much a safe investment for employers to kind of recruit talent, train talent, and see if they'd be interested in offering those seniors or juniors a job after high school. So again, there was a symbiotic mutual learning experience that benefited both parties. At the end of the day, those high school students left Batesville High School with college credit and, and a job offer if they so choose to take that job offer. So it was a great partnership with, again, uh, we use Batesville Tool and Die, Batesville Casket, Hartwood, and Woodmiser. Those are our, our main manufacturing partners, along with Hillrom. In our partnership with Hillrom, we even had engineering students, students interested in engineering tracks, work with engineers from Hillrom. So again, we just kept building this out capacity to meet the needs of employers and to give our students real-world invaluable experiences. So one thing before before you move on to the next uh, uh, co-op model, are are parents engaged at some level here? Because I would guess that, especially when we start talking about manufacturing, uh, my sense is that parents are often 
as resistant as maybe the, the students are, or maybe more resistant, uh, are they engaged at some point in this process so that they can see what their students are doing? Lee, that's such an important piece of this to make sure, ensure the success is the parental involvement. What we actually began uh, a few years ago was an eighth grade manufacturing camp in the summer. And before students attend the camp, we invited their parents to come into a kind of a kickoff meeting. And there were some CEOs and financial officers that talked about earning potential and health benefits. And, 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 and parents saw, wow, that's, that's great money. That's a great way to earn a living. And what it also did is allow students to get on the manufacturing floor. You know, it's not your grandpa's manufacturing where it's dark and dirty and loud. It's high tech. It's a very clean environment. There's a lot of STEM, math, science. Uh, all those things are important. Now, I think students are able to see and parents are able to see that manufacturing facilities are very clean, high tech places. And those students have the ability to earn a lot of money directly out of high school and have those organizations pay for their college. You know, let's full disclosure, a starting teacher in Indiana makes between 40 and $45,000, probably has some student debt. A, a student going to manufacturing is gonna make 40 to $45,000 as an 18, 19 year old, have no student debt and have that organization pay for their college. So again, when, I, I, when parents see that, I think that really changes some of their, their thought process about manufacturing. And I think that's important. Uh, and that's why I wanted to, to know, because I think um, my sense in talking to educators and talking to manufacturers is that it's, it's winning the parents' approval and support and helping them see uh, how manufacturing has evolved, perhaps since when they were first introduced to it or when they thought about it, uh, can be a real pivot in terms of then also getting the students to participate. <laughs> it is it is pivotal for for parents to understand and see the manufacturing floors now and understand that there is a an impact financially for a lifetime uh, for their students and they're much more uh, pro manufacturing and understand the importance and maybe at the end of the day they understand the upper mobility. So currently at Hill and Brand Industries, the CEO of Hill and Brand is a, is a Batesville High School graduate, and he talks about to parents how he started out as an intern. And just worked his way up. And I, I think, again, that that's kind of the, uh, the American dream, right? You, you go into an organization and you work your way up and you have the potential to run that organization. Uh, that, again, that's a great, a great vision and a great piece and a great piece of relevancy for both the students and parents to see. So let's move on then to the, the notion of the IT co-op. Uh, talk about uh, what constituted with that, what companies are involved, how that operates. Yeah, obviously, we, we're, we're spending a lot of time talking about manufacturing, but th there are a lot of move, movable parts in manufacturing, and, and all manufacturers have IT needs. So there is a need for IT co-ops and individuals to become experts and certified in computers and technology, infrastructure, software. So a lot of our local manufacturers, in addition to skilled laborers, or even blue collar workers, first white collar workers, management, upper management, we need that IT piece. So again, we try to be very surgical, very precise and, and work with our local employers to give them what they need. And there is a need, it's not a great need. And again, that's a lot of work on us. It might be only three or four students a year, but we understand the importance of, of kind of pinpointing needs and working with local businesses while providing our students opportunities in future careers. 
Well, so you you talked about manufacturing, but but certainly, um, you know, we used to think of information technology as an end in and of itself. But as you as you imply, uh, it's so thoroughly integrated into just about every uh, phase of business, not just business, but obviously government, obviously schools. Uh, So it's not I mean, the applicability for that must be very broad. Yeah, you know, 10 years ago, IT was a thing in a silo, in a, in a magical room behind everyone else. And, and now today in 2021, IT is embedded. It's, a, it's part of our DNA, whether we're in a school corporation with one-to-one devices or whether you're making caskets or hospital beds, the ability to access uh, computer information instantly is very important. Logistics. Let's just focus for a minute on logistics, over-the-road truckers, planning, moving all the goods. You can make all the goods you want in the world, but if you can't deliver them to the place they need to go, you're not going to be an effective business. So again, that just is, is a snapshot of how important IT is in those businesses. Well, and it's remarkable to me, uh, you know, and we all had this experience during the pandemic, you know, because we were ordering more stuff online. And I, and I don't know what your experience was, but, you know, uh, when you get something from Amazon, uh, or you're getting something that's being shipped by FedEx. I mean, you can track, and again, it's IT. Uh, you know, we're tracking goods all over the place, and you can get down to almost within the hour of when it's going to be delivered to your front door. Uh, so, again, it's become very pervasive. Absolutely, it's it's an expectation now. It's not it's not a luxury. It's an expectation. Well, and I think that applies also to uh, the next co-op footprint that you have in health there's obviously health but but i would guess that part of the it also applies to that but then talk specifically first about uh what is the health co-op who's involved and and what's the goal with the students on that so we have a great partnership with our local community hospital margaret mary health is a is a large uh prospectively is a large rural indiana hospital and in rural indiana it's hard to recruit uh, doctors, pediatricians, healthcare workers. So there's a, there's a intentional uh, program to grow our own, right? So that we have opportunities to support our students who want to enter the field of healthcare, that they are more likely to come back and work at local community hospitals or local doctor's offices. Again, there's so many layers of needs in the health professionals, whether it's CNA, or, uh, you know, receptionist, insert phlebotomy, all these different paths and certifications students can earn, again, provides upward mobility within the healthcare system itself. They're good paying jobs. They're, there's a need for those jobs in our community. So we talked a little earlier about our major employers in Batesville. The hospital is one of our top five employers. So again, it just made sense for us to locally curate a co-op program with our local hospitals to create a potential pipeline of physicians, nurses, anesthesiologists, insert need. So that's what that's what kind of propagated or, or cultivated this partnership with our local hospital. So what are the students doing? Let's pick on the health for a minute. So what are they doing? Um, how are they actually spending their time? How are they engaged in that health co-op model? What do they do? That's a fantastic question because most students don't know what happens in a hospital, right? You go to the hospital when you're sick, and that's as far as 
most students may know. So there's actually a rotation internally within that co-op program. So for example, a student may spend two weeks on in a phlebotomy, you know, drawing, drawing labs. They may rotate and spend two weeks in radiology. They may rotate and spend two weeks in, you know, the pediatrics. So again, even within the hospital itself, there's a need for different fields. So those students are able to access different portions of what hospitals provide. And sometimes more than anything, Lee, students will say, that's not something I really want to ever do. And that prevents them from spending time in college to go do the radiology. They learn, they're like, or, or they find out they're passionate about radiology and they're a little more laser focused on the classes they'll take after high school. So again, that overall exposure is very beneficial to our students. Yeah, and I, and I think that's a very important point, uh, having that exposure, because, you know, I think, unfortunately, certainly when I was in school, you know, people talked about jobs and they talked about careers, but you really didn't know what you were going to be getting into uh, when you selected something or we would go through those aptitude tests and they would tell you that you ought to do this. Um, but, you know, for me, when I was in 11th or 12th grade, you know, I, I knew what jobs I saw around me of, you know, my parents or my parents' friends, but I never really had exposure to a lot of that. And I think that has to be absolutely critical uh, for many students to be able to see that environment and get a sense of what it would be like uh, to be able to make an informed choice. Yeah. And I think what it also provides is relevancy. To, you know, there's theory and then there, there's practice. And a lot of times we spend a lot of hours in classrooms in theory, learning about things. And I think when students can apply them or see how they would be applied, it gives a little more, uh, gives a little more importance for them to do well academically because they understand now their anatomy class. So they need to learn more about cellular biology. They need to learn more about the arteries and veins. So again, it, it's, it's really a symbiotic relationship as far as co-op opportunities and academic performance in the classroom. So this just seems to me like this is a very, very salient model. Um, are, are, how common is what you're doing? Are there other school districts that are doing things like this? Um, if, and if not, why? So, so how common is it? You know, it, it's becoming more prevalent across the state of Indiana. And I think Batesville was a, a kind of a, a trailblazer 10 years ago in these co-op pro partnerships. I think more and more schools are kind of replicating, almost making it work in their backyard with their local manufacturers or their local industry, whether it's air, aircraft mechanics, right? Because Indianapolis has a need for that. Batesville doesn't have a need for that. And that's where one size fits all doesn't necessarily work in K-12 education, but the model itself about partnering with businesses and earning college credits with Ivy Tech is a model that can probably be implemented almost anywhere. Again, logistics, we're fortunate to have an Ivy Tech campus in our in our city, but again, through remote learning and and other other obstacles, or I should say, other avenues for students to learn, I, I think any school could do it on on different scales. You might not have hundred students in your co-op, but maybe you have ten, or if you have ten thousand students, maybe you have five hundred. But what we really take a lot of pride in is we try to get every student we can off our campus during the day. And what I mean by that is we want them taking a college course at Ivy Tech. We want them in an internship. We want them in a co-op. We want them doing something outside of our four walls that's more relevant and creates more of a real world experience for them. So is this something, um, how has the environment changed since you initiated this? 
Is it something that is um, widely supported and encouraged, or is this still sort of an outlier in terms of, of, of how schools are expected to operate? I think the, the big question, maybe the, the next podcast we would have is kind of the accountability model for schools. Unfortunately or fortunately, however you want to look at it, schools are not necessarily incentivized to create these work-based learning programs because there's no metrics to show what a success looks like. And again, I every superintendent in Indiana welcomes accountability. So I think if there was a mindset shift about accountability included a portion of preparing students to enter the workforce, go to a four-year college, and again, you would incentivize schools to invest their finite resources in these programs. You'd, you'd be able to build this out to capacity a little more quickly. Conversely, I think private business doesn't necessarily understand how schools work. And the more often we have dialogues between private and K-12, the more likely Indiana kids are going to be successful. Businesses need employees. Schools have potential employees. You know, I think that the numbers I've seen of the next 10 years, we most of our population is at that age where they could retire. We're going to need about a million jobs. Oh, by the way, there's about a million students in the Indiana public education system, private parochial. So again, there's a workforce coming up the, in the pipeline, but we just need to continue to build those relationships and have a mutual benefit between the two organizations. But so when you talk about that accountability, and it, it seems to me that much of it is focused on um, how many students you get into the four-year um, post-secondary institution. Um, and in a way, you're almost incented or encouraged uh, for, for the young people to leave town uh, and not think about some of those local jobs. Is that a fair or an unfair characterization? That's a very fair characterization. So again, peel back the layers a little bit. There's a self-interest of self-preservation. We want our town and students to stay in our community and have families and bring their kids back to Batesville schools. And I would say most school corporations have that same philosophy. Again, by having a quality education system that helps employers attract talent, retain talent, by having those uh, strong partnerships with local business that allows us to train and, and I shouldn't say train, that allows our students to have opportunities to learn about what they might want to do in life. And they're more likely to be, they're more likely to go to that organization when there's been a relationship built. If I've never been in your facility, I'm less likely to apply for a job there. If I've been there as a junior and senior, I'm more likely to apply for a job. And again, it, it's, it's, that, it's that partnership where we don't want to just create people to go work. We want to create people who are CEOs, upper management, problem solvers, critical thinkers. And, and those students, those skills are learned in co-ops and internships. So again, there's a lot of benefit from just working together between K-12 and private business. So let's let's focus on that for, for the remainder of the time we're together in terms of how does this happen? Um, you talked about building those relationships, and I know that uh, business and education have very, very different cultures. Um, when I started my career in Indianapolis, uh, I was with the Partners in Education program, and we were matching uh, schools and businesses together in partnership. And one of the biggest challenges we had was trying to help bridge that culture between education and business. Um, how did you accomplish that when you were getting started with all of this? 
I think we sat down with, with the stakeholders and identified needs. And what those needs were, were it started out 10 years ago about college credits were kind of random credits. So a student might have six or nine credits and they transferred, they didn't really, they weren't really applicable. They didn't benefit the family. So we started to really roll up our sleeves and build something out based on our schedule with Ivy Tech, which is a model that's been replicated across the state. And those became intentional credits that allow students to, in that, to earn that Indiana Core 30, transferable to any state institution and most private institutions in Indiana and even outside of Indiana. And that's the, the program is referred to most recently, start college as a sophomore. So there's, there's a right off the bat, a savings on tuition and room and board for families and they're able to earn those 30 credits free of charge. We, we have a scholarship foundation here at Batesville. Hmm. We work closely with Ivy Tech. So again, about we have a, um, on average about 170 graduates. Last year, we had 68 graduates earn that Indiana Core 30. We had 14 of those graduates earn a mat or an associate's degree. And then to take it next level, we have a large portion of our students who have earned an Ivy Tech certification. And again, our community foundation pays for that. So we talk about a Batesville High School diploma should have value and act as a currency for student success. So again, I think once employers see that schools are, are wanting to provide the best uh, environment for students to be successful, they're willing to help. And again, when, when you help someone with good, good intentions, uh, good things happen and partnerships are built, relationships are built. And again, the community wins and those employers win. But so you talked about then uh, I'm trying to, to picture who who has been at the table for part of these conversations. And you've talked about business. You obviously had to reach out uh, to, to some of those business leaders in the community. Uh, the Community Foundation has obviously played a role. Uh, you know, those are not always easy conversations to start in some cases, are they? No, again, and, and sometimes you, you, you're, those conversations don't come to fruition, and that's fine too, right? I think what if you were to survey most businesses, Lee, they, you'd ask them, who would you call to start a conversation about a co-op program? And I bet a lot of businesses wouldn't know the answer right away. So the first thing I may, if I can share something with local businesses, reach out to your local superintendent. If no other reason, just to have a conversation to see how things are going. And from that, you could build, who do I contact if I have an idea? And conversely, schools can do the same thing. We'll call a business. We'll send an email. Who would we contact on this topic? And again, that simple introduction allows you to build up, build capacity later when you need it. And, and honestly, nine times out of 10, I'm going to assume a school is going to try to help the business and the business is going to try to help the school. Well, and again, I think you've alluded on many uh, topics here how this could or should be a very mutually beneficial relationship. Um, if you think about it and you think about, um, you know, that you are potentially developing that future workforce for those local businesses, there is a, there is a mutual interest on, on both sides of that equation. Uh, it also, though, you alluded to the fact we talked about earlier, though, that you're not necessarily, school systems are not necessarily incented to do these kinds of things. Uh, as you were looking at sort of the environment in which you were starting this conversation, sort of uh, above you, perhaps, um, what were some of the barriers that you had to overcome uh, to get this done? What are the barriers that still exist in terms of how this feeds into your perceived success as a school corporation? 
I think the first barrier was communicating to parents exactly what these programs, work-based programs are and, and will be. And I, I think, again, generationally, people thought when you went to work, your education stopped. And, and conversely, it's just the opposite. Most of these employers will continue and encourage, incentivize employees to continue to earn their associate's bachelor's, master's degree. The difference is this time it's on the employer's dime. And again, higher education is very important, but it is costly at times. So one barrier is notifying and making sure parents understand what these programs are. The next barrier is the, the education world and the business world are such different worlds. And when they collide, sometimes there's a lack of communication, acronyms and schedules and all those things and barriers. So I think you have to have partners who are willing to identify those barriers and not only identify those barriers, but come up with solutions. I know sometimes I hear about some business say, well, you have to be 18 years old to be on our floor. Well, that's fine. If, if that's your rule, that's your rule. But why wouldn't we come up with some kind of opportunities for 17-year-old juniors? Or whatever the identified barriers are, there has to be a motivation to solve those barriers. So I think the parents have to be well-educated and business and schools have to have really robust intentional dialogues about how they can make this work. And then, oh, by the way, higher education can be involved. We want our students to, to go to employers with 30, 40, 50 credit hours, whatever it is, but we want them to continue that education so that there is upward mobility, or if there is a shift in the job market, they're, they're able to go be employed somewhere else. So again, it's not an end game. It's just, it's an opportunity to, to have a platform to, to be successful, not encourage a large amount of student debt right out of high school and be gainfully employed. Okay. So I'm going to be respectful of your time. Uh, I know that uh, people listening to this are going to think to themselves, well, you know, this is something we should explore in our community. Um, what would you tell them is the, is the starting point? Uh, what's the first thing that, that um, a community that would like to replicate this, what's the first thing that they should do? Great question. So if you, if you would get on the internet and search Batesville schools, you could find my email. I'm happy to kind of answer that initial question via an email, but Typically, Ivy Tech or a local community college, Vincennes is, is another great community college. Those local partners are really good. They're experts, resources for connecting employers to schools. So I look at it as, as kind of those, those, that bridge between senior year and maybe junior year in college, between Ivy Tech, Vincennes, and trade schools. They are a wonderful medium to connect private partners with schools. Obviously, you could reach out to your school corporation, high school principal, guidance counselors, superintendents. And then finally, if you're a business, pick up the phone and call, call your local school corporation and, and just have that conversation. Again, show up at a ball game, you know, help help work the tickets at a football game, take tickets and have your company's name on it. Again, this that mutual benefit that, we, that a better you as a better me is a good place to start. I, I really appreciate your time and I appreciate your insight. Uh, is there anything that uh, we haven't covered uh, about what you're doing uh, in Batesville schools uh, and about this program that we need to get on the record before we close today? No, I just I want to thank you, Lee, for allowing me to be on your show today. And I, I want to thank our local employers and my predecessor, predecessors who are visionaries. And again, I just feel almost obligated to continue this program, grow this program, because it really is what's best for communities and it's what's best for kids. I thank you very much for your time. I've been talking to uh, Paul Ketchum. He's the superintendent of the Batesville Community School Corporation, uh, and he's been talking about the, uh, the industry-based co-op programs 
that they have with Batesville employers, with Ivy Tech and the Batesville School Corporation. Paul, I thank you very much for your time and your insight. Lee, thank you so much. You've been listening to IEDA In Your Ear, the podcast for the members of the Indiana Economic Development Association. This is Lee Llewellyn, and whether it sounds like it or not, I really am trying to be a lot less annoying on these podcasts. Uh, This podcast is copyright 2021, all rights reserved. Not sure anybody else would want them.